0: A podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love, as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. little known fact about my guest today. She had a message and she thought it was a response to her Starbucks application, but actually it was a message about her audition for Spring Awakening, which actually went really well because they wanted her to star in Spring Awakening, and she did, and so many other things after that. Welcome, Kamiko Glenn, to the podcast. okay Hey everyone, my guest today is the award-winning actress, Kimiko Glenn. Kimiko is best known for her work as Brooke Soso in Orange is the New Black. She's also the voice of Penny Parker in the Oscar-winning animated film Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. She has many, many TV and film credits, but some of those include Liza on Demand, Ghosting, High Maintenance, Broad City, Sacred Lies, Can You Keep a Secret and Nerve. She originated the role of Dawn in the Broadway musical adaptation of Waitress and was part of the first national tour of Spring Awakening. She has a huge voiceover career and she wrote, directed and produced the short film, All That Jazz, A Day in the Life of Roxanne Gayhart. I am so honored and happy to have Kamiko Glenn on the podcast today. Hello friend, how are you? Hi, I'm good, how are you? I'm so good. I am so happy to have you here today. I listen to you on uh, the original Broadway cast recording of Waitress all the time, and the amount of joy you have brought me and my family, just in our ears alone, um, let alone all the incredible animated voice work you do. Um, and just, and then there's Orange is the New Black, like the the different things, the different lanes that you travel in, Um, Very
1: different. (laughs) Very
0: different. And then your own creativity and your own work that you get to do. um, It's just awe inspiring. And so I'm so happy to have some time with you today. And I guess what I'd love to talk about just to start is sort of where, I mean, you really do a lot of things. And so where the seed was planted. that has grown into the creative life that we get to reap the benefits of as your audience. Um, but like, what, what was the beginning of that?
1: Well, um, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, and, um, I don't, I, I don't totally remember what, I think I just had this creative energy about me as a kid. Um, I just, I, I remember getting like a Celine Dion album. Um, and it was like my first CD album. I think I got it for Christmas, Falling Into You, if you know it. Um and I do, as it turns out. <laughs> I love Celine Dion, she's my hero. Um, and uh so I just was like obsessed with her singing and also imitating her crazy accent. Um and I think <laughs> I think my parents just like saw that in me and I I just like I would imitate her all the time. I would my dad's camcorder and run around and create commercials. I had this news show called happy cup news. And I would give you the news, which was nothing. Um, <laughs> cause I was just like a little okay. kid. There's a lot of, um, home footage that I, I have to say, I have to shoot my own horn. I'm hilarious. <laughs>
0: yeah, but I, I absolutely do not doubt that for one second.
1: Yeah, I um so I I was doing that and my parents were like, let's like harness this energy and let's try to figure out how we can use this for good because it's just loud at this point. I was like hell bent on making it as loud as possible. Um and then I they just asked me if I wanted to audition for a musical and I was like, "Yes!" And then I I did Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and I just I was, never looked back. I never looked back. I never even thought about you know, whether or not I was going to audition for the next thing. It was just what I was doing.
0: Did you end up going to, uh, did you study musical theater
1: in college? Was that the goal? Yeah. I mean, I, the, I mean, the goal wasn't to just like, yeah, I, 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 I went to college at Boston conservatory and um yeah, I, I didn't really know what else to do, but I I sort of wanted to get into a university. I really enjoy learning, and I don't think, you know, putting all your energy into one thing is like, I don't know, especially when it comes to acting, you have to have a full life. You have to have a bunch of knowledge to draw from in order to be the best, you know, or, or just to even apply it, you know? Um, so I... I was a little like, I don't know if um, this is for me, I loved like for what it was, it was an amazing experience because it, it was, it's a great school. But um, for me, I was like, I, I don't know if this is quite right. Um, maybe I will, you know, go to culinary school instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was uh, applying for culinary school and also um, applying. Oh, you were for- not
0: joking. You mean literally maybe I'll go to culinary school as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't get too far along in the process. Okay, I, um, I was also but you were applying, exploring. I was exploring my options because I was like, I just, I think I need to leave this school. I don't think like a conservatory is right for me. Um, and I, but at the same time, I was like, I need a job. So I was like applying for Starbucks in the area in Boston. And um, then I got a call because I had auditioned for um, Spring Awakening at an open call, just like seven months before, completely out of sight, out of mind. And I thought it was like someone from Starbucks giving me a call about my application. And it was Carrie Gardner um, who was helping Jim Carnahan cast Spring Awakening. And she was like, she left me a message and basically was like, we'd like you to come to New York for a few days to do a final callback. And I was like, Whoa. And so in the middle of me applying for culinary school, I ended up getting um, Spring Awakening, which was an insane first start to a career, you know. Did you know the show? I did. I was a big fan. Um I had gone on a senior trip to um New York and we saw Spring Awakening and I was just like, oh, oh my gosh. And I was like a fan of um ragtime and I knew Leah Michelle, Leah Michelle was uh, the little girl in Ragtime and I was like well she's all grown up and she's doing it she's now a lead that's amazing and um I was just like I thought the show was just unbelievable so I actually went back a second time during that trip instead of seeing another show I went back and I think I even have some pictures of me with Johnny B Wright and some and maybe John Groff and John Gallagher at the stage door like ah <laughs> um as a fan and then um yeah I I so I loved the show. And so it was like really thrilling to have gotten it. I mean, I, I have a lot of belief in myself, but it was, um, it was pretty cool.
0: Was it a, was it an intense audition process?
1: Yeah. I mean, anything that age is pretty intense. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think it would have been more stressed out now in my life. (laughs) Um, sort of knowing,
0: knowing what it means or, or what makes you say that?
1: Yeah. Um, well, also I, I have boundaries for myself now, but it might just simply be because I've done enough stuff where people go, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will be like, I'm not auditioning for three days in a row. You guys, like I can show you what I, what you need in like 20 minutes tops. Right. right. come on. Um, and like, I, you know, even the baby shark process, um, was kind of slightly, slightly more rigorous. Um, I've played baby shark Nickelodeon, um, was slightly more rigorous than most other auditions. Um, I had to do it like three times. And the last time I was like, guys, we don't need to do a chemistry read. I've, I've done these sides before. (laughs) You have it recorded a few times. You're fine. And so thankfully, it worked out. Um, I just I just believe in myself. But I was like, I don't want to give myself another opportunity to mess this up, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> That's also part you, of it. No, I get it. It gets worse. I mean, it just gets worse and worse. Yeah, I'm like, I don't <laughs> wanna get in my head about this. I don't wanna be like, I should do it different. Yeah. But like what I'm doing is right, you know. And and so I I think the longer it goes sometimes, especially if you don't have the part, it's like Ugh, I don't know. I I will sabotage myself. It takes
0: so much to find your voice in this industry. I mean, really, in, in in any industry. I mean, you were probably what? Like, were you nineteen when you auditioned for
1: that tour? I was seventeen, and then eighteen, I think. When I when I oh, I, it was between seventeen and eighteen. Right. I, so not 18, even
0: 18, I like a, I mean, I have a seventeen year old daughter. And just imagining what you're describing, like a three-day, unbelievably rigorous. um, Put you up in a hotel. Alone, right. Yeah, in a city
1: you don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Get to this place that you don't know where it is. Yeah, with all these kids you're up against surrounding you. But you got it. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't know how, but I'm thankful. Because somehow you
0: held on to yourself.
1: Yeah. I I've always just had this innate belief in myself. Like I, I grew up with like a, a sparkle inside me. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. sounds so corny, but like, I grew up feeling like I had so much to offer and I was special somehow. And I don't know if that was something I was just born with, um, or something that I learned along the way, but I was just like, I know that I'm like meant to do something, you know, and so I always hold on to that, especially in these scenarios, especially when I'm rejected, you know, um, because I know, especially over time, and I'll tell younger actors this who want to get into it, who maybe haven't jumped into the professional world yet. Persistence is key in a lot of ways, like so much of the time, you're just trying to gain the trust of people, and it has nothing to do with your talent. Mm -hmm. People have like they have a laundry list of people that they could just call up. And they're like, we know this person's consistent. But like, when you're starting out i know a lot of people who just like quit after a couple months after getting out of school after paying like hundreds of thousands of dollars for school and it's like well it it it's not a reflection of you that you're not getting cast um it's just you have you have to put in the time and i know so many people who ha- hadn't worked for years and years and years and years and finally they get a job and it's like a great job that put them on the map and now they're working consistently and Um, I know that for myself, like I, there are things that I really wanted and didn't get and put my all into, and then that door shut for another thing to open. And I would never have done this thing that, you know, brought me so much, whether it be career-wise or like personally, Mm -hmm. um, that I would have never had that experience had I done this other thing, you know? so. I don't know why that I'm so tangential, but, but that is something that I carry with me as I, you know, audition and get rejected or get a job. And, you know, I try and remember that when
0: you think about like, um, when you say, like, I don't know if it was born with it, this beautiful sparkle, as you described it, what was the messaging in your house like were your parents where are your parents from what was their relationship to the arts and your clearly like ridiculous amount of talent but they were you said they like sent you to start doing stuff so can you talk a little bit about that
1: yeah um my parents are i i love this because they're my family is are they're a heady bunch they're just very logical and um so smart my dad is a software engineer. He's incredibly good at what he does. My mom is a tax preparer, but she also does about a billion things. She likes, writes and she writes a newsletter for her um, Japanese community in Arizona, and she used to teach Japanese, and um, she, she really wears a lot of hats. Um, actually, recently, she s- took up the drum. she's 71. Um, the drum kit, by the way, not just like a bongo or something light it's a full drum kit um, and she's really good because she's dedicated and practices all the time and she loves it she takes lessons she practices at least an hour a day if not several every time I call her she's on the drums its so okay cool. that's incredible yeah um, she's my hero she is my my hero fully yes. um, I just love her and um, yeah when it comes to to where i got the artistic side from it's funny i mean my i i want to say like my my grandpa was like a pianist and a painter um and my mom's sister loves the opera she's super cultured she speaks six or seven languages wow um and travels the world um and her daughters are like uh, one is a uh, works for the arts in Brooklyn and, and all this stuff. And so I don't know, there's an artistic side there, but on my dad's side, I'm like, I don't really know. Um, I think I, I think it, maybe it's a past life thing. I don't, I don't totally know, but I just, Interesting. I just had an energy. And I think that what it was with them is they were just so supportive. Um they may not have understood it at first um, and then they got to understand it as they were supporting me and like you know started helping to build the sets or paint the whatever or sew the costumes and you know were there at the theater with me sometimes Um, but I think they just like I sang so loud I was so loud and my mom never told me to shut up you know I would sing so like I would make it my my mission to be as loud as possible in the car screaming these songs and it would just be me and her and she would just eyes on the road just not like I don't know if she just learned how to zone it out or it was just like this'll be useful someday (laughs) but she just put up with it and I think because I was allowed to just like I would sing a part if it wasn't perfect I would rewind I would sing a part if it wasn't perfect I would rewind and like I, maybe that's how I got to be a skilled singer because I was just trying to perfect it and I would do it in the car with her. And, um, she would just let me do it. And, and I, we wouldn't sit in silence or whatever. I was able to just like practice and be crazy in the car. Um, so I, I don't know. That's like one of the things that I think really was helpful. Yeah. They they just never told me don't be as loud as possible. Don't like, don't, I think they just, I think I tickled them. I think I made my dad laugh a lot. And I think my mom was just like, okay, like she's so chill. Right. Um, (laughs) I think it just had something to do with that combination.
0: I love that so much. I love that the freedom to be you. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Were they, um, were they okay with you leaving school
1: to pursue
0: um, this? Was that a big conversation or did it organically unfold?
1: Leaving um, leaving home, you mean?
0: No, the conservatory to do oh. this tour.
1: Oh, yeah. They were like, yes, go make money instead of make us pay out a pocket <laughs> for the school that costs a million dollars. Of yes. course. Please. I love it. I this love is it. the path. And they knew because um, they were on that um, that trip with me to New York. And I think they had seen Spring Awakening. Or, yeah, they must have. They must have gone to see Spring Awakening, too. They know my passion for theater and Broadway. And I was listening to the album um, nonstop in the car after that. And so they knew, like, it was a huge deal. Um, Just simply by, you know, me talking about, like, (laughs) I was just obsessed with the theater world and so they knew what was hot what was not <laughs>
0: and, and were they you knew listening it- to Broadway cast recordings growing up in the house like was that their introduction to Broadway sort of through you yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah those Broadway recordings are so uh so it you know I mean you ended up doing a
0: cast album that has become for millions of people a touchstone in so many ways um and your perfection on it
1: it's so special that i'm on a broadway cast recording i i can't even describe or believe it like i think at the time i was so um you know busy and um kind of frazzled i but i i i am a perfectionist in the booth and so it was um that day of recording was like I think the ensemble stuff was like the joyous moments. Cause I didn't care. Like if my voice didn't sound like perfection, right? Um, but you know, on all the solo stuff, I was like kind of militant about, you know, I, like, I think we did the, the last take of when he sees me, which is probably what ended up making it on the album. And I was like, as soon as it ended, I was like, can we do it again? And they were like, I, they turned on the thing and they were like clapping and like cheering. And I was like, they're like, no, that was great. And I was like, wait, but can we, and they're like, seriously it's great (laughs) stop (laughs) you know um, and then um, yeah it was just like it was a whirlwind Um, I I don't know I but I'm just so grateful that I made it on there and sometimes I'll listen to it and be like this is special and I knew going into it that it was going to be special oh the special the the show but the album Um, I was like, this is Sarah Barilla. She, you know, has, she has made so many pop albums. She knows how to make this like the best of the best Broadway albums, you know? And it's mixed a little differently than some of the Broadway shows too. Um, And I think, I don't know, I just knew. And I knew when I signed up to do it, that it was going to be special, you know?
0: Can you talk about how that show came into your life?
1: Yeah, so I actually didn't get cast, <laughs> and I was so upset because I wanted it so bad. I I listened to the song Sarah is singing the demo, and I was like, "This is the song. This is my dream. This is my this is Kimi- little Kamiko child, baby Kamiko's like she would look up to the person that sings this so mm-hmm. hard. This would be her role. She wouldn't care about the Jenna part. She would be obsessed with Dawn. And so I just, I knew, I was like, I have to get this part. So I was, you know, crazy. I like, I I think I saw some people in the audition room. They're like, oh yeah, this song's crazy. It's like 10 pages. I didn't memorize it. And I was like, I spent my whole life preparing for this moment. I've like, I've made myself a total hermit for the past five days, like gotten down every single beat, like made sure all the the vocals were like on point, all this stuff. And um, I just remember when, like I even printed out a lyric sheet and like highlighted in different colors. So I could just like kind of peek down if I needed to, um, instead of like, it was like an 11 page flip um, on the music. And so I like did that for myself so I could nail the audition I did. Like they all, applauded at the end which they don't do ever and um i knew i killed it and i think i just hadn't convinced um diane paulis i my and i don't know i don't know this it's just my speculation but i think i just seemed too young in comparison to kale and and jesse right um so that was kind of my thing because and this was for the workshop you know they were casting kind of people who just seemed a bit Older, or you know, and I don't want to. The people aren't old that that I'm talking. No, just older
0: than you were at the time. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I look ten years younger than I actually am, and they look their age. So exactly, I think think that was part of it. But I but they apparently always used me as a benchmark for it ever since that moment, and they had asked me um, to do certain iterations of it that I couldn't do because. So they did.
0: They came back at different.
1: I th- I don't know if they Kinda. asked me to do it or they if they asked me to audition again. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I knew that they like they were like interested still. Um but I was like, don't re-traumatize me. I really wanted that part. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't I couldn't do it cuz of Orange is the New Black it was shooting and um then the Broadway situation came about and I was literally about to move to LA. And they were like, it's you or her, and we just need to make sure. And I was like, and it was one of those like several day process, chemistry read, blah, 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 blah. And I was literally like floating outside myself, so freaked out, like I wanted it so bad. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what it was that I, that was, that was the thing that they didn't want or, or didn't work about it. And so I overthought the crap out of it but ultimately I don't I don't I don't know why they cast or didn't cast me but it ended up working out (laughs) it was so stressful but I yeah I, I just remember opening night being absolutely surreal because it was like I didn't care about being famous or recognized or part of a big internationally acclaimed show or whatever like I never cared about that all I wanted to do was Broadway and this was my Broadway debut. And so it was like this insane high, like my body was just literally like flying through the air the whole time. Even like, I was like a month of previews, like you'd think that I'd be like, oh, it's just another night, but I was flying.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I get it. And and are you doing... You said that you were going to maybe go to L.A., but Orange is the New Black was still filming, right?
1: Yeah. Well, so,
0: was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're juggling, I mean, that show, speaking of like global sensation, right? I mean, when you started that musical, it has become that. Your instinct was this is so special, but you couldn't even know what that show was going to become like internationally, although it sounds like you did understand how good it was, but orange is the new black. That is like one of the biggest. That was huge. It still is. But when that came on the scene and you were starring on that show too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I came on the second season, so I knew I was in the middle of, watching it when I got the audition so I like checked my email it says audition for orange is the New black and I was I thought I was tripping out um <laughs> so I knew it was a it was a huge thing at the time yeah um and I was like whoa oh my gosh I mean there's no way I'm gonna get it but this I was literally in the middle of thinking this is a dream job all these women all these like color shapes and sizes totally. like represented and they're killing it and it's so well done and it's telling a story we haven't seen before um, so that I, I, I knew going into it that I, uh, I don't know that there was, the pressure was on, um, cause I hadn't really done TV. I had done, um, a pilot for a multicam, and that's basically like theater, you know? Yeah, so yeah, it, very familiar. Yeah. And it didn't get picked up and it was just the one episode, but I, I hadn't really done on camera stuff. yeah. Um, so it was literally, like, being thrust into this, like, really pressure cooker situation, um, especially because I, everyone's wearing the same outfit, like, everyone's wearing a jumpsuit, and so I, I would go in <laughs> and just be sitting awkwardly in the hallway because I knew these people from TV. I was, like, I'm not going to talk to them and be that weird person, like, hey, Taylor, what's up? You yeah. know, she, she will be, like, what? Uh, okay, I get it. I'm recognizable. I'm this international sensation, you know. Um, they weren't like that, but, but no, but I, you fantasize that that's yeah, what would was happen like, I'm Yeah, I am just gonna sit quiet here. I don't know how long I'm, you know, gonna be here. Maybe it's, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm being established, but who knows? And so I was just sitting, you know, for months and months, just in the hallway in a jumpsuit. People probably thought I was background until one day they had like scenes with me, and they're like, oh you play this role that's in the script. I'm like, yeah. And <laughs> so we started making friends, but anyway, um, I actually, I needed to go to LA because my, I was getting recognized from the show so much. It was so unmanageable for me. Um, and I was getting really paranoid and it, it's just really not a lifestyle that I, I am used and No one's used to it when it right. starts for them, but like
0: And are you meaning from Orange Is the New Black?
1: From Orange Is the New Black. Yes. Okay. Okay. Walking around. Why? Yeah, I was walking around New York City, and you know, I they there weren't um, you know union contracts for that type of show yet because we were the first of our kind, other than House of Cards. So, as a cable show, yeah, it had barely been a year that they've existed, so it was like almost like a like a really good web series, (laughs) but like the pay wasn't enough to like justify getting a cab or like finding ways to protect myself. Um, and a lot of us, like, I mean, I, I didn't because I still had a bit of a savings, but a lot of people had second jobs still. And it was kind of a scary, dangerous situation where I, I would be, I would have to take the subway and people would be bombarding me or like shoving cameras in my face. And, um, and recording me or like giggling and laughing and pointing and all this stuff. And I, it was traumatic to have that happen. Um, cause when you think famous, you also think rich, <laughs> but I was like, when I got the job, I was living in low income housing and like at the very end of my savings. So on top of that, not really getting, you know, a ton of money from the show and then right. like, and being in New York city and being so recognizable, especially if you get off the train in Brooklyn, it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> people, yeah. Were, I mean, that was their like, show. This is the demographic. I mean, like, you know, all the hit yes. New Yorkers, but people would literally like grab me and take a selfie and run off or like scream down the street or run after me. Or it was just kind of horrifying for someone like me who doesn't like that type of attention. Right. Um, so I was like, for my mental health, I need to move out of this. Cause in LA, you can kind of control your environment a bit more. You can get a yeah. car yeah. to travel. Um, you get to the meeting, you have the meeting, You get back in your car, you know, um, you're in a cafe. It's things are just more separate. Like right. everything feels like there's space. Like you can extend your arms <laughs> in yeah. New York. You, you can't like the grocery store experience is like, you know, and
0: you um, were so unprotected.
1: Yeah. And so I was like, I was actually going a little bit crazy in New York and, um, and then,
0: and then this show waitress comes up.
1: Yeah. So I was going to leave orange is the new black. And like, I, I don't say that to be like, I was gonna, you know, quit my job, but like I, I needed to go. And I was like, I either, I'm going to work it out where I spend six months there, or six months back, um, and have that be my home base or I just need to stop doing it because it's, it's really messing with my anxiety um, but waitress came along and there was no way I couldn't do it. I mean, this was like the opportunity of a lifetime. And so I was like, okay, well, do double duty. <laughs> then I'll do, I'll like make myself even more crazy, I guess. Um, so, uh, I ended up staying, but yeah, I, I'm happy now that I'm in LA. I feel a lot more stable.
0: <laughs> but you didn't stay in the show for a long time.
1: Yeah. No and, I and is
0: that connected to what you were feeling, what you're just describing?
1: Oh, there were so many things, yeah, I mean it was it was it was a lot I mean there was um there was a lot of gun violence happening at the time there, there's always gun violence, but like something that just happened was uh a girl from the voice had just gotten shot at the stage door um I was this highly recognizable person, people knew where I was every single night um there was a time where an usher ran down the aisle and I thought they were going to kill me. (laughs) Like I, because I was just like, so freaked out about that. But also I was spread so thin. Um, I was doing double duty, waking up super early to shoot Orange is the New Black. And then, you know, doing the shows, I mean, eight shows a week, et cetera, et cetera. But at the time we, uh, so Orange is the New Black, the new season, um, the trailer just dropped and it was gonna come out in a month and um, a feature film that I had done had just gotten um, gone into movie theaters and it was you know, of that same demographic and um, the, the cast album had just come out. So the energy had sort of shifted in the audience where they like, knew the music and it was really exciting. But it felt like, especially being in New York, all eyes were on me. And it, that sounds very like the world revolves around me, but and everywhere I went, it felt like gasps and whispers and, you know, yelling and like, I couldn't get away from it. And I, I just got so overwhelmed. Um, and I was doing press for the show. I was rehearsing, you know, every second with the understudies and for the Tonys and everything. Um, so I felt really exposed. And um and then one night I um I walked out on stage and I blacked out. Um I was for the opening number, like I was front and center doing all the motions and muscle memories and I, it was all in muscle memory, and um I just my eyesight went like you know, when you're about to faint and you just yeah. see gray and like sparkles, it was like I couldn't feel my body, everything was gray and black. And the sounds were super far away. Um, and you're still it, doing the I'm show. St- I'm still doing everything. I didn't like fall down or anything, but right. I, I'm still doing it. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I'm in front of thousands of people. Also, the set is about to change. I can't see anything. I could barely hear. Um, but because you spend, I think it was like a 20 second moment up on um, that moment. I, I got my eyesight back. I like came to a bit more and then the set changed and I started walking and doing everything. And I was like, Whoa, that was insane. And so um, I was like, that was really scary. But then I kept doing the show, blah, 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 blah. I go off stage and I'm walking in the underpass to go to my song and it starts happening again. I start blacking out and I'm like, what the hell is happening? Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm, I'm like on a moving train. I can't, this can't be happening. And so I get to the side of the stage and I, tell the stage manager i'm like i think i'm having a panic attack or something um she was like okay do you want me to stop the show and i was like uh oh my god no (laughs) and i just like ran out i was like there's no way that's happening hell no that's so embarrassing so i run out on stage um and i i do the number and everything and I get off stage and I take like a, a mini teeny tiny Xanax that I had on hand just because like sometimes I'll get like really bad anxiety, panic attacks, but it would, it would be like once or twice a year you right. know, where that right. would happen. Um, and so I felt fine the rest of the night. And then I wake up the next day and it's like all my brain chemicals were like, like splattered across the ceiling. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like I'm an, on an acid trip Oh, and me. I'm completely sober. Right. Um, so it was this crazy experience of, um, I didn't understand what was happening. I've never not been able to control my brain or mm-hmm. my body or anything. I had a really hard time walking across the street. I had a hard time even like coaxing myself to get up off the floor. Like I was curled up like on the bathroom floor, like tell, like, Tell, talking to myself like get up get up get up for like 30 minutes couldn't do it and um I was like well something I, I've gotten through a lot of stuff in my life I will get through this and so I just never stopped calling out I would just do the show in a state of intense vertigo and um disassociation where I would float outside myself and I wouldn't be in control I wouldn't I couldn't tell if I was walking straight. Um, but I was doing the show cause I was like, I need to train my brain that this is okay. Like that, cause it, I think my brain thinks that this is in an unsafe environment, but really I like, it's it's fine. I've been doing this. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm strong. I am completely capable. Um, you just have to retrain it, you know? And I didn't have a therapist. I didn't have medication um, mm-hmm. other than like the Xanax that I just had in my purse. Randomly. Were you living alone? I was living with my ex boyfriend. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know, I was really scared about getting on like an antidepressant or something. Um, because I, I didn't know how my body would react and it, it takes a while for it to kick in. And I, um, so I started taking like a sub therapeutic dose of it where it just basically was doing nothing. Um, and I was, I was just relying on Xanax in a way. And it just was unsustainable. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. Um, I, I was working out like crazy, trying to like, you know, and I'm not a person who works out. (laughs) I just knew that this is strong for mental health. Right. Right. And I was like, I I hear, so I hear. So I hear, I was trying the meditation stuff. I was trying everything I possibly could. I was like hooked up into machines during the day and going to like the show at night, trying to figure out something I could hold on to So this would stop happening to me, but I was, it was full-blown panic disorder and it couldn't be stopped if I was continuing to do the show. I did it for a month and a half like that.
0: Right, Um, I can't believe it. I can't believe it because I saw you in the show, (laughs) but this idea of the show must go on as a bumper sticker, as Mm -hmm. a credo, actually sometimes the idea that you felt like you couldn't call out, right? It is so ingrained in us. Like, of course yeah. I can have a nervous breakdown, be blind, maybe, you know, have my head decapitated because I can't see in a set piece, right? Like, yeah, I'll risk it because, <laughs> because of, and it is a privilege to get to do these shows and it is a privilege to have you in the show. Both, both things are true, mm-hmm. um, but it is killing me that you had to go through that. Um, and I always think like, where are the grownups? Where are the people going? You, you're, you don't need to go
1: on right now. Well, thankfully, we- and I, I have to give my managers credit. I had just signed with my managers uh-huh. a month before. Like, just like right when, every, I don't know, just, just maybe even like a month before I, I, um, all this started going down, I signed with them. And they were the ones that gave me permission to leave. Right. Because we would never give ourselves permission. I never even considered leaving the show. Right. I was like that. This is not how it's going to go down.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Because I wanted more for myself. I didn't want to feel like I failed Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. But it just wasn't sustainable. I like my body was breaking down. Like I, my body was like my hands were starting to smell. Um, Like no matter how much I washed them, Mm -hmm. it was like I. And it, this sounds kooky as hell, but like it was like the toxins were just bleeding out of my pores, like like my body was under so much stress, um, I, like and I was so skinny, and people were talking about it online that I was like looked anorexic and stuff. But I was like, I'm burning so many calories on stage, but I also literally the only thing I can drink are insurers, those like oh, tr- chocolate yes. drinks that like yes. I could almost taste okay. Yeah, yeah, I I couldn't like. I couldn't I couldn't mm-hmm. function and um like I, I I don't know I it was through that I mean like if they didn't give me permission something bad would have happened it would like I would have actually collapsed on stage because yeah. it wasn't I wasn't capable of doing it and I feel terribly because um it was my hard-headedness about it Um, also I I had never gone through anything like this before so I and I didn't really have many people to like talk to about this Mm -hmm. I didn't want it to be real so I didn't tell the cast really they just like they like suddenly started noticing I was into essential oils and like got really quiet and was like you know doing weird things to compensate (laughs) and maybe not showing up like you know on stage for, you know, the, when the curtain was down before the show would start, people would kind of like mingle on stage for the first, mm-hmm. like at five minutes and just kind of like play around and like ask how each other's day was. And like, right. I just wasn't going there anymore. I was just doing what I had to do. And like, I would just break down sobbing at the end of the show. And they're like, huh. They knew something was happening, but I wasn't explaining it. I didn't want it to be real. Um, and I was just like, if I just if I don't talk about it, it's just not happening. Right. You know? And so I feel, I feel terrible. Cause like, it was so much of it was my fault. I mean, like, even when I took my medical leave for three months, um, I didn't even say any, I didn't even, I think I wrote like one email to like the three people I shared scenes with. And I was like, I'm so sorry. This is what's been happening. I don't really know what to make of it. Um, but I I wanted I didn't want that to be my story, especially because I planned on going back, Right. you know, after those three months, I didn't want people to look at me like I was damaged or I couldn't do it. Or like, we have to tiptoe and make sure she's okay. You know, I didn't want that to be a thing because I'm stronger than that. Right. You know? Right. Um, and it ended up being like 90 days. Isn't like if, when you put a time limit on fixing your anxiety, it just doesn't quite work out that way because it's yeah. anxiety, yeah. you know, so I didn't end up going back. Um, and one, one of my biggest regrets about that experience was not being a little more open to the cast anyway, mm-hmm. about what was going on, because I don't think they fully understood it. I think maybe, cause I was also still filming Orange is the New Black. Right. Um, so they were probably maybe like, oh, she's,
0: she chose TV. <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's like, yeah. no, that was the only thing I could do. Um, and also like to completely end my life there is not really the best idea either, Right. You know, um, but I knew I couldn't stay on a, a moving train. Um, that is Broadway. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I knew I had the option while I was shooting. Like if I was having a panic attack to be like, guys, I had been there for like four years, you know, yeah. guys, I'm having a panic attack. And then they would pause for 10 minutes and then I would move on. It didn't right. end up happening, thankfully, because right. once I took the show element out, it was like, I felt One less better. thing. I felt much better because I, that the, 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 I felt so much pressure to like, I don't know, to, to continue on despite everything um, and not take a breath while I was doing it. And so, yeah, I think there was a bit of confusion there, but I, and that this is so tangential. I don't even remember what you asked. <laughs> I said, tell me yeah, I was, your name. <laughs> yeah, I was there. I was there for three months and then I left. So that's why. um <laughs> Because I, I, yeah, I was having That's quite disorder. a journey. Did you ever go to see the show? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw it with Jenna Ashkowitz and I saw it with Sarah Barillis. That was a perk of, you know, being in a show and then not being in a show. I got to go for free. <laughs> well, um, yeah. And you got <laughs> to see what you helped create. Yeah. And um, it was all it, based on you. Yeah. It was really cool to see different iterations of it and different casts of it. Um hmm but yeah, I and I, I really did try. I tried to um, to go in to to close the show, um, but they the contractual things didn't work out. But right. um, but I really wanted to go back in and I wanted to prove to them and to myself, like, hey, I cared about this show so much. This is like the experience of a lifetime for me. And I'm so sad like anyone would think otherwise or like that this happened I, I wanted to like to do it because I knew I was strong enough at the time mm. and um and it just didn't end up working out but that's totally fine um I maybe one day there'll be like they'll ask me to do some sort of something with it and that'd be cool but
0: maybe the west uh, end
1: maybe it'll happen who knows yeah. it's all okay. Yeah. the shows
0: in every country in the world it, it yeah. it's it's yours for the taking at some point. <laughs> um, well, I had no idea. That's an extraordinary story. Oh wow! I uh, I I only knew that you were in it for a short time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was
1: I was contracted for a year.
0: Yeah, and I just think I am so grateful to you for sharing with such honesty and openness what your journey is it only deepens now when i listen to the cast recording it will only deepen my experience with it to know the human um Mm -hmm. the human behind the voice and it's it's so important for people to speak out no matter what their you know i don't know no matter how many followers they have it's really important i don't think share your truth like that and to destigmatize this and and oh my god even Kamiko Glenn right who we have this whole you know because you are so much joy and you are that sparkle inside you and you do play these characters I mean even Brooke right was like Mm -hmm. I mean she had her voice on Orange is the New Black you found it you were not just a girl in an orange jumpsuit (laughs) fading into the woodwork that was what was so incredible about your character That when she needed to really have a voice beyond, you know, the sweet tree hugger, that she was just this formidable person. And you and Samira, I mean, all of that was just such an incredible addition to an already very intricately woven story of that show. I guess what I want to ask you now, it's like, I mean, that's the joy of voiceover, right? And, and, And doing animated work you it isn't your face you are more protected and can be more private in a way Mm -hmm. um but have you figured out a way to be the face of something not just the voice of something you know orange is the new black you know these things live forever new generations keep finding these things so have you figured out a way to continue to do what you love Mm um and that you are just so gifted at um and also find a way to be in the world with people who are excited about what you do
1: yeah um so i think i'll always it's just gonna constantly be a journey because i knew um i i just i knew when i was a kid i love acting but the attention behind it really freaks me out and i just Mm -hmm. always knew that um And I didn't realize to what extent it was going to kind of traumatize me. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think there's so much you have to kind of, you have to prioritize and you have to take a step back and, and look at your life and understand what's important. And I think so much of what helped me was changing my environment. Um, and, um, doing things that made me feel empowered. Um, A lot of times I, I write music that, um, and people can do whatever thing that helps them cope. But um, a lot of times writing music helps me and then listening back to it. And then like, it sort of comforts me in a way. Um, But I, I mean, it's such a loaded thing because it's really, Truly, about everyone's own individual experience, but for me, um, I knew I needed to get out of New York. it wasn 't the city for me, and not that I won 't go back or do things there I 'm actually of going course. there next month <laughs> okay. um, but uh, you know i just I just know for a home base, I need to feel you know like I have my roots in a place where I feel happy. And um, where it's conducive to my mental health, like I go outside every day and I spend time in my backyard and lay in the grass with my dog. And that's like super important. Mm-hmm. Those things are super important to me. And it's a matter of finding balance. I think it's such a, a hustle mentality these days of like, we're, everyone's doing the most, you're not doing enough. Yeah. Um, like everyone's dripping in gold and <laughs> all this weird stuff online and and everyone seems to have a perfect life. Um, but it's just not the case. Um, like, I think that's something that's curated and put out there and it's really great for business a lot of times. Um, but it's not the best for, for mental health. And like, even recently I was shooting lies on demand, but going through a really intense depression. And I was, I was being a little more open about it online. And I feel like I can now, um, that I've sort of proved that I can like, like i I finished that shoot despite the depression, despite the really like I maybe compensated and people were like, wow, you brought such wonderful, happy energy. And I'm like, yeah, it's because I'm so sad inside. <laughs> you know, um, and that sounds so depressing, but like I, I think being real is really important. I think talking about these things is really important because like people don't know what's happening for you, and they might think like, um, you know. I think people get the wrong idea about things or put an, un, an a undue amount of pressure on themselves because they see people's lives as this, you know, surface level thing. But when, once you go deeper, I think it, it helps people have context. Um, and yeah, so I think, um, and I've been really diving deep into therapy, <laughs> which has been helpful. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm on a medication that makes me feel normal and doesn't make me have weird side effects. And I just feel like my anxiety is managed. And I want to put that out there that like medication isn't a bad thing. I mean, like over medicating and like doing it in a way is not, I don't have an addictive personality. So that's never been something I've been afraid of, but um, a healthy, like if you need it, do it. You know, I resisted it for so long because I didn't want to feel like I don't know, nothing, or I I don't know, you just hear so many. Right. Or worried that you wouldn't feel like yourself yeah, in in the ways that you want to feel like yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think I took like five different types of um, SSRIs before I landed on one that I felt completely fine with, you know? um, Yeah. It's kind of, it's just a journey and listening to your body and having an, an incredible support system and keeping people in your life that lift you up and are additive and, um, and don't like, uh, I don't know, bring you down. That sounds like I'm shading someone, but I'm not, <laughs> but it's just like, you know, taking stock of who's surrounding you because you are the people you hang out with in a lot of ways. And so yeah. like, I have a lot of positivity and joy surrounding me. And especially during the pandemic, like, you know, sussing out, like who really brings that to the table,
0: Yeah, you know? Well, you do. You really bring that to the table. (laughs) You are so extraordinary. Can we go? Thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast today. I'm just going to ask you one, uh, one last question. Um, and, uh, and then we're done. Um, (laughs) can you share a little known fact about you?
1: Oh my goodness. little known fact. I loved Celine Dion as a kid, and that's such a weird, fun fact. I know, like, pretty much every one of her songs. Um, And that's sort of oddly, Celine Dion, I think, is the reason why I do this, because I – uh, she was the reason I got into impressions. She was the reason I got into singing. Um, she was the humor because honestly, her stuff is really funny. If you think about it, um, <laughs> like her music, like the, her choices sometimes are really funny. Yeah, um,
0: but, but she's also in on the joke. And that's what I love about her.
1: Yeah, I hope. I don't know. I saw her. I saw her in Vegas a, a few years ago, and I I don't know if she's in on the joke, but oh, I really <laughs> but I do love was. her. Yeah, we well, just sit there and we a smile talent. and we love it. I love her.
0: All right, Miss um, Glenn, you are a goddess. I cannot sir. wait to see all the things that you do, and thank oh. you for all the things you've done, and for your time today, and thank you for being on the podcast.
1: It means the world. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> And by the way, I love, you're a good man, Charlie Brown. Thank you. a
0: <laughs> One more thing. So many of you have asked, how do you donate to the podcast? Well, it could not be easier. Just go to com slash donations. Instructions are clearly laid out. And I'm so grateful to you in advance for any donation you choose to make. But regardless, I have loved, loved, loved making the previous 200 and something episodes for you. I can't wait to make 200 more. I wish you a beautiful day. Stay healthy. Be safe. Until next time. The episode was edited by Nicholas Clark, we recorded in New York City, and the Little Known Facts theme song was written and recorded by Georgia Famusa with backups by Caleb Famusa.